0: Whoever you are, wherever you are, and whenever it is you're catching some brain waves, we're coming to you today, not from the banks of the St. Vran River, but aboard the shiny District Mobile Lab, where we were lucky enough to grab an interview with the man, the myth, the legend, Jimmy Casas. Uh, incredible interview, and we're going to get out of the way and let you hear him. So, without further ado, here he is. Can we start off with you uh, just telling us who you are, what you do?
1: My name is Jimmy Casas, and I'm an educator, author, speaker, and leadership coach.
0: So cool. And do you have to have like extra insurance for all the people you inspire to run through walls? (laughs) A lot of people have gotten hurt that way.
2: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
0: Um, Yeah, so starting (laughs) off It's going to be a lot of that. It it is. I like it, though. I like it. I have a laugh track plugged into one of these. I don't know (laughs) Uh, so I got to listen to a copy of your talk yesterday, uh, and it was absolutely incredible. And one of the my favorite parts of it was the mental exercise you took folks through, taking them back to really their first day, uh, that first interview. Uh, can you take our listeners through that same experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just the idea of thinking about, you know, when we go into the profession, whether you're a teacher or whether you go into the principalship or... You decide to become an instructional coach or superintendent, whatever the role is. I think people go in with the best intentions, right? They go in wanting to make a difference. They want to be great for kids. Uh, They want to make an impact. And then at some point uh, in their careers, they begin to lose their way. And typically, that happens because of experiences. So we all have experiences that shape the way we view our daily, you know, interactions with people. And and uh, and then what I what I mention is that we tend to fall to average. And over time, we don't want to be average, but we just we land there. And, um, and so that's where we begin to look at the people in our organization a little differently to think, well, what happened to them, right? Because they weren't always that way. So when you look at people that are, you know, maybe a little bitter, a little cynical, maybe negative, uh, maybe even toxic sometimes, it's, we have to remember that they weren't always there. And so then how do we help these people find their way back? So when I mentioned that yesterday, I was just talking about the idea is, you know, if you feel like you're losing your way a little bit, Uh, And I've been there twice uh, in my career, and uh, I always make the commitment that I'll never go back because it's not a good place to be when you find yourself on the edge of the couch, right? And that edge of the couch means I can't do this anymore. And so if we begin to think about when we sat in that interview chair, all the things that we said, right? And I think people were very sincere in what they said, how they wanted to make a difference. They said all the right things, and I think they were genuine in that belief. Um, and really felt that they were ready to go and make a difference. And then here we find ourselves sometimes two years later, you know, five years later, ten years later, twenty years later, and we no longer act the way in the way, or our behaviors don't model the 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 things that we said when we sat in that interview chair. So I was just trying to remind people that it's okay. You shouldn't beat yourself up if you find yourself just you know dragging in work a little bit. And uh, but at the end of the day, what are you going to do about it? Because we all have that opportunity every day to start over. And if you don't like the way things are, then just go back and remember what you said and then go relive that. Go live your excellence in that manner.
2: That's awesome. Um, I I think a lot about like Elena Aguilar's work or, you know, how do we keep ourselves resilient um, through all of this hard work that we have to do? And instead of like getting to that point where we're at the end of the couch and having to remind ourselves of our interview, how do you keep yourself going every day or how do you recommend that people keep themselves really strong and true to that person every single day?
1: Yeah, so obviously the idea of starting with a positive mindset, you have to believe what in your interactions. So see if this makes sense. I tell people all the time, like, people say, well, don't you ever get tired? You're on the road all the time, right? Well, of course I do. I got tired as a principal. I got tired as you know, in the work that I do. But it's also my decision how I create the energy for myself. Where some people wait for people to come lift them up, I actually flip it around and I engage people. Because it's a reminder that everybody has a story, and those stories are inspiring, So if I'm intentional in engaging other people in conversation, reaching out, then what happens is they actually fill me up. They give me energy, right? Because those interactions are meaningful. They mean something. And those are experiences. And all day long, we have all these opportunities that walk right by us, and we don't engage. Like, we get on an elevator, nobody talks. It's just kind of awkward, right? Uh, and then sometimes you have the other way around, right? You get on the elevator and my kids are saying, dad, please don't say anything. Right. You know, but it's the idea of the more that we engage and the more we give to others, it's amazing how much in return we'll get and they fill our cup. So I just tell people, you take the initiative, um, to fill your own cup. Um, and then in the work that we do, it's just, you find the joy and what is the joy of the work? Well, for the most of us, it's the kids. And I think what happens is we lose sight of that, and now we get into the grind. We're dealing with, you know, whatever we're doing with in our work every day that takes us away from kids, then I think we just have to remind ourselves and say, no, I have to be intentional because I'm here for kids, and I know I've got this other work to do, but I can't lose sight of why I'm really here. Because as I always say, our kids are our most precious commodity and we shouldn't lose sight of why we went into the work. So. so
2: you talk to everybody on elevators, grocery stores, things like that? Like It,
1: it can be kind of weird sometimes, yeah, yeah. that way too. But it's a good, right? Because, you know, I tell people I often wear a, a Hawkeye sweatshirt when I travel because it's amazing how many Iowa Hawkeye fans are across the country. Uh-huh. And I love going through an airport and somebody will just go, Go Hawks! And I turn yeah. around and say, Hey, where are you from? And then all of a sudden you strap up a conversation. And it's weird, the connections. And again, it's just a reminder how small the world is. And the next thing you know, I'm like, Well, I was there in 1985. And where would you hang yeah, out? And yeah. It's just weird stuff. So, but again, you just walk away and all of a sudden you're just completely energized again, right? No matter how tired you were, there's just an immediate energy that comes from that. So, we take the initiative uh, to, to fill our own cups. We don't wait for others to fill it for us. I
2: think that's such a cool way to live because then that way, I mean, if you're the more you listen and engage with other people, the more we can understand about each other and the less binary and polarized we become. That's awesome.
0: Yeah i think people around the country fill their cup with your work daily you do uh was it hashtag thursday thoughts you do um and i think all your work has definitely filled the cups of our listeners we have a bunch of listener questions here um, Um, that we'll get to as well um One of my favorite lines from your talk and from your book is that the biggest problem facing public education today is ineffective leadership, and that a lot of times that's greeted by cheers from teachers. So what do teachers usually think you mean by that, and what do you actually mean by that?
1: Yeah, it's always interesting the reaction you get, right, depending on who you're talking to. If I'm talking to teachers, they might clap and kind of agree with me, right, because they think I'm talking about probably their principals or the superintendent or something like that. Yesterday, when I'm talking to principals, it's a little awkward because they're like, you know, I recognize who my audience is, and this will probably be the last time I ever work in the state of Colorado. Um, but it's not intended to be mean. It's it's intended to be thought provoking, to begin to reflect and understand what do we bring to that, right? So, I always tell people when things don't turn out the way you want them to, when you don't get the response you want, or people respond in a way that's kind of confusing to you, like why did they get so defensive? Why did they get so upset? Rather than begin to look at them and say, well, they must be just in a grumpy mood today, right? It's, no, what did I contribute to that? Was it my tone? Was it the way I approached it? Was my timing off? Uh, was I not sincere in my approach? Or, you know, whatever that is. So effective leadership begins to look inward first. Uh, and that's what I learned over the course of the year. I tell people I want my first 12 years back. Like, you know, I just try to figure it out. I'm not, I don't know what I, really what I'm doing. Uh, the problem with that is that in today's day and age, especially, there's not a lot of, um, a lot of grace. There's not a lot of free passes. And, uh, and there's so much scrutiny in the work that we do every day. So it's so complex and it's so difficult. And so I just try to remind people that if you begin to really break it down, we can blame all these other things. We can blame that there's mandated testing. We can blame that there's lack of resources. We can complain we don't have enough money. And then I remind people, then when was that year that we actually had enough money, right? Uh, We can blame the fact that we're dealing with so much trauma in our schools with our children today. And all these things are real, and they're all legitimate, and they are all issues. But to me, effective leadership would be able to bring a group of people together and figure out ways to address those situations in positive ways that doesn't hurt your culture. And so then what I try to do is just point out examples of where leadership is creating the issue, right? We actually are the ones creating the issue. But when I say we in leadership, I mean everybody, because everybody has the capacity to lead. The problem is some people don't see themselves as leaders. Well, that reminds me again, then that means I, as a building principal, they must not be doing a very good job of building capacity if you, Ben, right, do not see yourself. If Becky does not see herself, if Colin does not see himself as a leader, then that tells me I'm not doing something effectively, because I can't run the organization by myself. And unfortunately, most principals go into the profession. We're kind of fixers by nature. Yep. We kind of think that's what we're supposed to do and we just get beat up and then we feel not valued. We feel not appreciated. The next thing you know, we find ourselves on the edge of the couch. So it's really to begin to reflect because I always say that without reflection, there is no growth, but that's really the only way you can continue to get better is to reflect on our own practices and say, what am I contributing to that and what do I need to do differently? Because obviously I must not be doing something right because there's no reason why Colin should feel that way if I've managed that situation appropriately. And then that just transcends right down to the classroom. It's the same thing, right? If teachers are doing things in the classroom, they have to internally look inward. Why am I not getting the response? Why did that student respond to me that way? I don't know, but there's probably a likelihood that you somehow contribute to that somehow. It's very rarely an all or nothing. And if we could just remember that and all own it for ourselves and realize, Hey, I'm not perfect, but I do have a responsibility to try to work through this in a positive way. Because again, when we sat in the interview chair, that's what we said we were going to do. And now all of a sudden, you know, we have people, you know, just not managing those situations appropriately.
2: So uh, you talk obviously about culture a lot and I, you know, culture rate strategy for breakfast. We hear about, you know, how important culture is all the time. When you were principal and how you deal with people now, um, how how much of your time and energy do you invest in building culture in your school in classrooms Um, I mean like you know why is it the most paramount thing that we can focus on and how much do you focus on it
1: yeah because if you think about culture you know people define it so many different ways if you look up the dictionary Webster definition it's going to talk about the rituals and the norms and the customs and the traditions and all these things and that's all part of culture but I just try to simplify it and if you think about climate and culture, if you think about it when you walk into a you know an office you walk into a building you walk into your home there's a certain climate there's a certain feel to it right you can feel it when things like something just seems off like is everything okay you know you just sense it right you walk into a classroom you know something's not right so it's more like the way you feel but culture to me is just how we behave in the organization right it's it's how we conduct ourselves so You know, if you think about Todd Whitaker, he'll often share, you know, the worst behavior that we're willing to tolerate in our organization will become the culture of our organization. And it's a reminder that if people are not acting appropriately, not conducting themselves appropriately, then we have a responsibility to manage that a little bit better. And oftentimes I share things that not everybody agrees with, and I don't expect people to do that, but, you know, I try to tell people, I try to change people's behavior for a long time, like for 12 years. and. Over time, you figure out that doesn't work because it doesn't sustain. And unfortunately, what happens unintentionally, you create a culture of gotcha. I mean, I can make people do things, but that's not a healthy culture because that means I have to use a tone. I have to be aggressive. I have to write you up. I have to put it in your valuation. And those systems don't sustain. And in fact, people will resent you. they'll, They'll sabotage you. They won't do it when you're not around. So that's what happens all through culture, right? And so I often share that, you know, we spend so much time trying to figure out the behaviors of students. And I often say that if we just change our own behavior as the adults, that will make a huge impact and, and shape the way students behave, right? Because sometimes we're not the best modelers in terms of what we tell kids to do, and then we do the exact opposite. We don't behave appropriately. So if you begin to think about it that way in organizations right now with culture, it's how we behave. And, the, and, and my experience is this, that the biggest bullies right now in schools are not the children, they're the adults. And we're not addressing that because... In all fairness, we don't necessarily have the skill to do that. Like right. when I went to principal school, there's no class that teaches me how to deal with a toxic teacher, right, or an employee that's, that's underperforming. I just don't have that skill. Yeah. So as I'm trying to figure it out, if I mismanage it, that's my behavior. Therefore, I create an un- unhealthy culture. And that's what I see a lot of our principals are struggling with. Um but again, I give them all a pass. They just do the very best they can, but then we have to be intentional in supporting our leaders, whether it's classroom teachers in the classroom or building leaders or campus leaders as a superintendent, to help develop their skill sets so they can begin to manage these more appropriately and have better results.
2: Supporting how, like through training or Absolutely. Like coaching, conversations, practice,
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big believer in coaching obviously. Yeah. That's what I do now. I took a coach on in my 16th year as a principal. I tell people it changed my life. It was the best thing that ever happened to me because he was able to come in and see things that I couldn't see. And if you think about it, like when I show this with principals that you can see kind of the light bulb click on, I said, imagine when you walk into a classroom, you could do the same thing. If you walk into a classroom, you will see things the teacher doesn't see. Absolutely. And they only see it through their lens, right? And so when we spend more time supporting teachers, we know teachers learn best from teachers, but we have to build a culture where we can have peer observations and people can give feedback and people won't get their feelings hurt and people won't feel judged. Well, that's because there's, the relationship isn't healthy enough. We haven't invested enough time in that relationship because if I care, about, if I, you and Becky, you and I have a really good relationship and you come in and tell me that, I'm like, thank you so much because yeah. I didn't even see I was doing that. But if I don't have a relationship with Colin, am I might be thinking, "Well, who's Colin?" You know, first of all, Colin, you've only been teaching for two years. Don't you two tell me how to teach? Yeah. That's an issue because that means I have not done a very good job of making those connections, building those relationships. So if you think about it, in culture as I talk about the three levels of relationships. Yeah, I've got to get to know the kids, got to get to know the staff, got to allow the staff to get to know me. In other words, what's my core and who I who I am? Because people want to be people want to do a good job, but they need to know what is it you expect of me. And then the third tier, which is that piece is how do I build a community where Colin and Becky get to know each other on a really personal level. So now when you build that relationship, that's building that community, those interactions, that builds a different type of culture because it's just a better relationship and it's a healthier relationship. So now you can have those conversations and talk and, you know, sincerely and, yeah. and candidly without worrying like, oh, Becky's going to get upset at me. So, so it's just, begin again, how we begin to manage those conversations and how we manage our own behavior in organizations.
0: So for the, I, that's so cool that even though you were the Iowa Principal of the Year, a national runner-up for Principal ben, of the Year. Ben, you know
1: there's only one school in the state of Iowa, okay? It's not that big a deal. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <You know> that?
0: <laughs> that's not
1: true. So put it in perspective. We'll okay. fact check that
0: after <laughs> the episode, but I, I don't think that's true. Uh, you know, the, how cool that you, even at the top level, brought in a coach is incredible. For our principals who don't have coaches, what would a, a telltale sign of a bad culture in their, in their school be? Oh.
1: Tell me that again. Say that again.
0: What, what would it, like for a principal who doesn't have an outside perspective to come in and be like, oh, it's toxic here. What What are some things they could look forward and know that oh, I they see have you're saying. Sure. Bad culture. So, yeah,
1: I mean, not every school is going to be able to afford to bring in a coach to yeah. work with them and support yeah. them in that manner, right? So, you know, whether it's through trainings or workshops or whatever, but it's interesting. If you look at professional development dollars that are spent in districts across the country for teachers, yeah. right, compared to administrators, yeah. it's so unskewed right it's so um it's not uh equal in that sense because we do invest a lot of time in teachers and we should Mm -hmm. we should never stop doing that but we also need to invest just as much in our building leaders right and so let's say there are is so here's the thing when i when i think about leadership i think about three things that i didn't learn in leadership school right processes frameworks and systems and we have to implement systems. So we have to have process and frameworks in place to get to the system. We need the system because the system is the equity. It's the insurer's equity, right? Because if we don't have a system, that means some kids are getting it, some kids are not. Some teachers are getting it, some teachers are not. And that's not fair. That's not right. And then we begin to evaluate them. But yet, wait a second. They don't have the same resources over here as they do. So how can we make, you know, it's not apples to apples. So if we begin to look at it that way and say, okay, so I have to think a little differently about leadership. Then what I'll begin to do is put process into place. So if I'm a district and I hire a principal or a higher teacher, whatever the staff member is, I already have to have process and frameworks in place. So it's one thing to hire people. But the real question is, so what's your process for onboarding? What's your framework to continue to grow and develop these individuals so they continue to get better and better year after year? But what we're seeing is actually the exact opposite. They come in really high, doing really well, and over the years, they go the other way. Why is that? That tells me that that district, that campus, doesn't have processes and frameworks in place to even how to develop people. So if you hire, if you're a district and you brought eight new people in this year, and I asked the principal, how many times have you met with that, those individuals individually since you hired them? I know you probably met with them the first week or when you hired them, but now it is February. How many times have you met them since then? Almost, I haven't. I haven't. So you basically just put them in there, and now you're expecting to figure this out all on their own. And that's, in my appropriate, it's going to create issues. That's the ineffective leadership I'm talking about. We're creating that issue. I call these undercurrents, right? We see the culture here, but there's another subculture, which is the undercurrent. That's what we don't see. So now I blame the teacher for not doing a good enough job but what I don't do is look at myself first and say, no, I created that undercurrent because I have no framework or process in place to continue to develop and grow that that teacher. Well, it's the same thing with principals. So to answer your question, it would simply be this. If you're going to hire people, then you have to have processes in place to make sure you're supporting those principals as they go along through the school year. So that would mean this. From a district level, you either do that from a superintendent's role, right? You are there to grow and develop your leaders or create a system where you bring all your principals from the campus and then we can do it several ways right instructional rounds leadership rounds where other people come in doesn't cost anything but what's cool about that is it begins to build a community where the principals actually begin to support one another because unfortunately we find a lot of campuses right now administrators honestly they're actually competing against one another in the same district so if you got six elementary schools, every principal wants to be the best elementary school. That's not good for the overall system, right? It's going to create divisions, winners and losers, and it's going to create a toxic culture throughout the district because the reality is I want my school to be the best school, so I'm not going to share with Ben. I don't want Becky to know. I want to kick Colin's butt and beat him, right? And that creates issues, and that's just what I've learned over time.
2: And that's how we are as humans. That makes that's total right. sense. Let's flip it from the teacher side. Then let's say I'm a teacher working in a district or a school uh, where the principal, you know, I, I got hired maybe it's a couple years ago, hasn't met with me eight mm-hmm. times since I was hired. How do I navigate in a in a school that doesn't have those processes, systems, and frameworks?
1: Yeah. So regardless of what the role is, so here's some, a way to think about it. So in all structures, usually you have somebody who's your supervisor, right? So in this case, maybe the principal isn't providing that support. If I'm a principal, maybe it's the superintendent not providing the support. So whatever my role is in that organization, I have to, first of all, so think about it this way. People can't fix what they don't know, Mm -hmm. right? So if if Becky's my principal and I'm a classroom teacher and she hasn't met me and I feel like I'm not getting the support I need, then it is my responsibility to go talk to Becky and let her know that, right? Because Becky, first of all, I have to believe, first of all, she has good intentions. I shouldn't be making assumptions, right? I just feel like, you know what? I need to make her aware of that because I don't want to judge it until I know for sure that she has no plans to ever support me, right, for whatever reason. So one of the skills I try to work with with educators is to when they go meet with their supervisors is simply to say, hey, Becky, you know, could I just have a few minutes to talk to you? You know, I just want to tell you a little bit of how I'm feeling. Right. Because I think it's really hard to get upset at people when they tell you how they're feeling. Right. Because I realize I'm a subordinate. Right. Like I'm talking to my boss now. And that's why I always say to be a leader doesn't require a badge or a title or a degree. You lead by example, right? So I'm modeling, right, how to actually be an effective leader because effective leaders actually would go to the individual and share the concern in an appropriate way and in a caring way and say, look, I just need your help. Here's where I'm struggling a little bit and here's what I need. And I was just hoping that somehow that we could figure out how to work together to make that happen. And I hope you appreciate the fact that I'm willing to have this conversation, right? Because I'm having it with you. I'm not going out there and telling everybody else I'm complaining that, geez, Becky never comes to my classroom, Becky's never helped me. That doesn't do any good. That creates just more toxic issues in the organization. So go to the individual where you're having the concern, go to someone who might be able to help you reach out, because the bottom line is we all need help in this profession. If we could just remember that, it's not a sign of weakness, right? It doesn't mean you're ineffective. It just means, look, I don't know how to do this, because... If we knew how to do that, then we wouldn't be in these situations, right? Yeah. So that's what I always tell people: people don't conduct themselves appropriately. Just remember, if they had the skills to do that, don't you think they would they just would. do it right. right? So if they don't, then let's go support them and help them. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so many awesome things we could dive into here. Um, one of the the lines I love in in your talk is just the idea that a principle shouldn't be a lid. Um, <laughs> so talk to me about what that means, and then. How you did that as yeah. a principal.
1: So let's just start with this. The mindset is always this. When someone comes to you with a complaint or someone comes to you with an idea, uh, the the analogy is don't be the lid. Uh, and if you've ever had to put the lid on you, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And that means uh, the mindset for me is, uh, is to remember that when people come to you with an idea or complaint, when they walk away, right, if it's an idea, let's start with that one. If they come to you with an idea they should walk away more excited about their idea than they were before they presented it to you, right? So that means I conducted myself appropriately. Ben comes to me with an idea, he walks away, he is super excited now, right? Now that doesn't mean that I say, oh Ben, whatever you wanna do, we'll just do it, right? That's not what it means. It just means that if I manage that conversation appropriately, you'll be more excited yeah. about that idea. If you walk away feeling depleted, feeling defeated, then I put the lid on you because I started saying things like, Ben, you know, I'm not sure we have the money to do that. Ben, yeah, I'm just a little worried about that. I mean, just I mean, just think of the liability of that, Ben, if we tried that. Ben, look, I'd love to help you, but I don't there's no way they would go for it, right? That's my favorite always. Who's yep. the they, right? Yeah, Central the office, district. right? We just put yep. it right over to the district, yep. right? So it's a mindset to begin that way. So how do we flip that around? We energize people, right? Because here's what happens, and here's what I did. So remember everything I talk about. I did all these things. And that's why I'm always trying to remind people, it's okay, give yourself a pass, but there are better ways of doing it, but now it's your responsibility to begin to look at it differently in terms of leadership. You actually have to transform the way you think in terms of how you lead people. It's not that easy, right? Um, John Wooden always said that the greatest leadership tool we have is our own personal example, right? Which is a great quote, and I love that quote, especially from a person who loves athletics. But so think about it this way. So... If you come to me and share that idea, but if I've already said to you or the staff, hey, you know, one of the things I'm really going to need from you guys is I want you to be risk takers. Be creative. Think outside the box, right? We might to build this innovation lab, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I start telling you, nah, I can't do that. No, I don't know we can do that. Where, you want to go where? To L.A. for A.S.C.D.? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, right? <laughs> well, then I'm just talking out of both sides of my mouth, yeah. right? I'm telling you to go do this, and then I just poof, put the lid right back on you. And that's a terrible place to be. And if you've ever, like I said, you know, that phrase came, a friend of mine actually had shared a video with me because I had shared with her an interaction that I had with, uh, with one of my supervisors about an idea that I had because I was a big believer that we should have world language for kids in elementary schools. And every year we'd go to the board and every year they'd knock it down. Why? They'd always say we didn't have enough money. We don't have enough staff and we can't do everything, right? It was always the same thing. But we would talk out of both sides of our mouth because in our strategic plan, we would talk about the importance of language for kids and all this other stuff, right? So uh, my mindset is, okay, well, I don't like to take no for answer. I'll figure out a different way of doing it. So this idea I came up with is, well, what if I could do it without any money? Right. What if I could do it without any money? What if I came up with a way to still offer foreign language in an elementary school and didn't cost you a penny? I can't say no. I'm taking away the variable they always use Exactly. right? So as soon as I started sharing this idea, right away, he just started shooting it down again. Like he wouldn't let me finish my idea. He just kept putting the lid. And I'll be honest, I shut down Mm -hmm. in that moment because I thought, you know what? This is just a joke. It's the same thing. We just tell people what they want to hear, but we're not sincere in that. You really don't want a foreign language is what you're saying. You really don't. Because you won't even listen to my idea. And I had already told you. I already figured it out without doing it. So the good news is, so here's an example. So I went back to my office and I walked in. I remember seeing my secretary and she's how to go. And I said, not good. Same old stuff, right? We just talk and talk a great game, but we're not willing to do anything. But then I went into my office and I was kind of mad at myself because, again, look what I just modeled to my secretary. I walked back in. I'm negative. I complain. And I was mad at myself. And I got up and I walked right back on. And I said, hey, Sarah, first of all, I am sorry. I shouldn't have said that to you. It was inappropriate. And you know what? I know better than that. And I do not want you listening to that nonsense I just yeah. shared to you. So then I called over, made an appointment with my superintendent, walked over, walked in his office and said, hey, I need to tell you something, how you made me feel this morning. And then I shared that story with him. I said, I I went, I want to tell you that I'm, I'm hurt this morning because one of the things you share with me always is you love the fact that I always try to figure out ways to do things and you admire that in me. And this morning I tried to present that to you. I said, but you didn't even realize that every time I tried to share that with you, you kept shutting me down. You don't even know what the idea is, do you? And yet we went there for the specific purpose for you to hear the idea. What's my idea? You don't know, do you?
2: How do you handle that?
1: He, I'll give him credit. Yeah. He apologized and said, you know what, you're right. And then we sat down, I shared the idea with him, and eventually we ended up doing it. And he said to me, here's what he said to me. He said, you know, I appreciate that, and I'm sorry that, you know, and again, that's the idea, yeah, right? Like, human. he didn't mean to do that to me. Totally, I could have walked out of there, now spent the rest of the day, the week, the year, complaining about totally central office, complaining of about yeah. my boss, and guess what, we would have never done these things. Or we could go and say, you know what, maybe he just missed it. Maybe his mind was somewhere else. Maybe he was worried about these things. So again, that's why I tell people, people can't fix what they don't know. And so I always give them credit for that because I did walk out of there and I say, you know, I really appreciate that. And I said, just so you know, this conversation will stay here. Mm-hmm. Although I did share it with my secretary, but I did fix it already. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> what an incredible example of us all owning that culture. Because, yeah, you could have ruminated on it, been negative, yeah. and that trickles down to your secretary. Yeah. But we all can fix it if we have the courage to yeah. kind of stay. And in my out. first
1: 12 years, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, I would right. have just kept blabbing around the, and I would have been upset, bitter, yeah. resentful. We all do it. And unfortunately, that's what happens in a lot of our cultures. That's why a lot of our cultures is unhealthy. Because they don't have they don't have the skills that got to help go have that conversation, right?
2: You know what else it reminds me of? Um, you talk a lot about forgiveness in the book and the value of forgiving people. And a lot of times when I dig even like further into gossip or you know things mm-hmm. when I'm seeing people not getting along, it's it comes down to a grudge that's maybe years old yeah. that they never talked about. Can you discuss like? how forgiveness can be important to a school culture and how we can be better at that. Um,
1: Yeah, remember, people land where they land because of past experiences, right? So this one thing I shared with principals yesterday, like, you know, I'll hear this a lot, right? Uh, I'll go into a school, and I've even said it myself, right? And and it's just terrible to even say things like this, but we say things like, well, that person should have retired five years ago, right? That teacher is bad for kids, should be out of here, shouldn't be working with kids, should have retired. But the real question is, is that's actually not a teacher issue, that's actually a leadership issue, right? So shame on me as the building principal, knowing that that teacher should have retired five years ago, and then I let that teacher stay there and look at all the damage they've done with children over those five years. Well, again, it's because I don't have the skill set how to manage that. So why do I avoid it? I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of reasons. And maybe that teacher is the way they are, maybe because of a past experience, which is usually the case. Well, unfortunately, here's what I found. The more I talk to teachers and interview teachers, especially those that are toxic, right? Because that's the work I do today. I go into organizations, I go into campuses, I interview teachers, I interview students, right? Interview the staff, because I'm trying to understand the culture through their eyes. That's where culture eyes comes from, right? See the culture through other people's eyes, not through your eyes. And the one thing more than anything else I've learned about teachers who have kind of lost their way is because at some point in their career, here's the sad part, an administrator played a gotcha game with them. So I come out as the new building principal, I blame that teacher for being negative, negative, but and she doesn't like me because I'm a they, because there's a trigger there. And her trigger is she got burned by somebody who was an administrator at some point, so she lumps us all together. I just don't see that, right? And so I begin to judge that, and that creates the unhealthy culture. So again, the idea is that how do we then work with teachers and give them grace to understand that teacher at some point wanted to be great. They wanted to be great for kids, they've lost their way. And it's my job to try to figure out a way to get them back over here so they want to be great for kids again because that's what i expect her to do in the classroom when a kid's lost his way right so if i don't manage that appropriately that's where the modeling comes into play if i mismanage that interaction with that teacher then i'm going to be a hypocrite if i go talk to her about how she mismanaged the situation with a child so if i expect her to champion for that kid then I tell principals then you better be ready to champion for that teacher, yeah. right? Now, that doesn't mean that you don't change the conversation because they'll always say, well, what happens when they won't change? I said, well, then you change the conversation. But what you make sure is you always treat people fairly and that you convince people that you care about them. So it comes from a good place. You're not playing gotcha. You're not being vindictive. You're not, you're not, you're not trying to catch people, right? Not gotcha culture. You want an I've got you culture. But you've got to figure out a way to have the conversation to bring them back over here. And that's a skill set, again, We don't learn that in principal school, so there's where we struggle a little bit with difficult conversations.
2: I wonder then if, because you you mentioned it, um, because that's what we expect teachers to do with their students. So can we talk a little bit about that? Like how how do you talk to teachers about the importance of believing in all of their students and creating the kind of culture where students feel like they can be the leaders in their classroom too?
1: Right. So again, it's the same thing. Don't ask teachers to do what you're not willing to do yourself as a building leader. So we see that a lot. So that's the modeling the behaviors. So... This is why it's important that principals or any leader of an organization leads from a core value, right? So again, let's say Ben is, work, is a teacher, he's struggling in the classroom, he's labeling children, he's talking down to children, he's sending kids out because he's frustrated. Well, again, I need to approach that situation in a way that convinces Ben that I wanna be fair and that I care about him. Well, the first thing we've learned is oftentimes administrators that are working with teachers who struggle with children we don't have the same relationship as i do with becky who is amazing with kids every day becky's amazing she's patient she's loving she's caring she's effective kids talk and glow about her all the time i get the reverse opposite about ben parent complains people don't want to take his class kids come and complain about him so i don't have the same relationship so the first issue is it's going to be really hard for me to have a conversation with ben that he believes i'm I care about him if I don't even have a relationship him, with him. So that's the first bias that we start as administrators. There's the undercurrent again, right? We just don't see that. I blame him, but I don't blame me. Because remember, I expect him to have a relationship with every child, even the most difficult child. But look what I'm modeling. I don't even have a relationship with you know why? Cuz he annoys me. He's ineffective and I just want him to go away and I just wish he would retire. So I'm trying to manipulate it. I'm trying to change his schedule. I'm trying to, you know, move his classroom. Hell, I offered him early retirement because I just want him to go away, right? There you go again. He should have retired five years ago. No, I should have been working with him for the last five years because he doesn't want to be that way. So... Again, the idea is I have to have a relationship with him first, and then if I, if I lead from my core value, then I can begin to say, hey, Ben, let's talk, right? First of all, I can see you're really frustrated. Talk to me about what's going on. Then he's going to share with me whatever his experience is. I'm not there to judge. I'm not there to evaluate. I'm there to coach him. And then I have to be able to build that relationship and say, listen, Ben, maybe I've not done a good job of building a relationship. That's on me, not on you. So now i got to own that, right? And then I'm going to say something like this. But, Ben, you know how important it is to me that we champion for our kids, okay? And I know right now Colin is frustrating you. What can I do to help? What can I do to support? Let's talk about what those interactions look like. Let's talk about what those behaviors look like. But I'm here to support you. But I am going to say this to you, Ben. At the end of the day, first of all, it's my job to work with you to make it okay in the end. But Colin is going to come back to your classroom okay so you and i have to work together to figure this out so it's how we begin to partner with our teachers not judge our teachers not play gotcha games which ben has to believe that i care about him or he's never going to trust me he's going to think i'm there to catch him and that's what i've learned so it doesn't even start there it actually starts way before that how am i being intentional building that relationship with colin or ben because i expect him to do the same thing with kids Remember, i got to be careful because if I mismanage that, he's going to treat children the same way. He's going to give up on kids just like I gave up on him.
0: Yeah. What's that? The line you say, we get what we model, is that?
1: What yeah. we get is what, um, what we, yeah. What we, uh, what we, we yeah. what we model is what we get. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, that's
0: amazing. So we've had uh, several schools do culturized book studies across the system. We asked them all about, like, hey, what questions should we ask um, if we get you on the lab and you're here. Uh, and one of the, the things that I think has stuck out to our listeners and our readers the most is that idea of every kid has a champion. And one of the coolest questions that came in from a teacher was, what is our role to not only champion kids, but also champion families and parents? Absolutely. And how do Ch- you see yeah, that? Yeah,
1: that's right. So, yeah, so we look at like the, the, the core values, right, the core principles of champion for kids, you know, expecting excellence, carrying the banner, being a merchant hope. It isn't just for kids, right? We have to be a champion for everybody. Everybody needs a champion, right? We know that behind every successful story, there's a person who championed for that individual. Colin, you, Becky, you're not here on your own. Somebody championed for you. You got here with the help of others. So it's the same thing. How do we give parents grace? As we always know, we hear this all the time. It's so true. Parents do the very best they can. We should expect parents to advocate for their children. We shouldn't get upset about that, right? Right it's really interesting to me so when i started my career i was in the inner city right in milwaukee public schools the biggest issue we had was that parents would never come to the school never come to parent conferences we'd complain about that we had a school of 885 my first school we'd be lucky if we had 75 parents show up for parent conferences everybody would be negative about that everybody would be complaining about that my last school was in bettendorf right a very involved community people who truly want the best for their children Now we're complaining the other way. Oh my goodness, they're way too involved. They're always here. They're always telling us how to do things, right? It's interesting. It's like, okay, we complain about this, we complain about that, right? Parents have a right to, to advocate for their children. We should want that. That's not a bad thing. So again, the idea is as a teacher, as a principal, what am I doing to intentionally engage parents, families, communicate, involve them, not judge them, invite them, rather than complain about why a parent won't come to parent conferences Rather than judge that, why don't we just pick up the phone and call and say, what can we do to offer this help and support? Right? Maybe they had a legitimate reason. So I always tell people, remember this. My parents, they never went to parent conferences. But you understand they expected me to do my homework. They sat at the kitchen table and said, do your work. And even though they weren't going to parent conferences, I'm sure there were people judging them saying, see, this is why Jimmy's not a very good student because his parents aren't involved and they don't care. So not right. So judgmental because they have no idea that my parents did care. They value that more than anything. I just didn't have a connection with that teacher. But rather than blame themselves, right, they didn't see the undercurrent, they blame my parents. Well, that's what we do to parents right now. So intentionally reach out, offer support, see how we can connect. And again, I talk a lot about home visits. I think that's a huge thing is how do we go to the parents and build the relationship if they're not coming to your school the question we should be asking ourselves is why are they not coming and we won't know that until we ask them
2: so is that something that you would like set an expectation around then or something for your staff if it wasn't happening like reaching out to parents reaching out to community or how do you build that through a culture without creating a mandate do yeah you, know you gotta what I mean? be careful again yeah. right
1: because you're gonna create a culture of, of yeah. compliance you yeah. don't want that right so first of all we gotta model it yeah. right so yeah, being, being a leader is somewhat sometimes being strategic. It's not being manipulative. It's not being disingenuous. But you got to show people why is this important. What's the benefits of this? So one example might be, look, if I'm, we're working with some difficult parents um, in the sense that they're not involved and maybe they're creating issues and so forth. If I'm reaching out and being intentional and I build a relationship with that parent, right, then the strategy of that would be to invite that parent in and maybe I have that parent talk to our staff about the impact. Maybe it's about Becky. Tell us the story. How about Becky reached out to her, and people are like, "But wait a second, that parent, because his kids always causing problems. Was well, why weren't they doing that with Becky's class, right? So the idea is to show people, right, the end result of what happens when we invest in people. Yeah. Could we mandate? Yes, it won't be effective. They'll do it, but they won't invest in it, so it won't sustain. So why did we do it? Do it, right? We'll be right back where we started. But if we give people time and we give them a process and we help develop their skills to do that, we model it for them. So if, if Becky, you struggle with making parent calls, remember there was no class in teacher school for you how to make an effective parent call. Okay. And when I talk to teachers about why they won't call to parents, you know what I find out? It's because some parent went at them aggressively yeah. and it literally creates anxiety in them. They don't want to reach out to parents because they've had some bad experiences. That's why we shouldn't be judging, right? Right. So, again, it's to be able to bring Colin back in. Maybe I work with Colin and say, how about I call you in the room with me? I'll have him on speakerphone because I've got to start modeling that for him and rebuild his confidence so he can make the parent call. Uh, There were times I can still remember as a staff meeting, we would actually give teachers time to go make parent calls then come back. And then we would talk about those experiences and those conversations and what did they learn from it. So that's being more intentional in leadership rather than forcing it. It is still a little bit of forcing it and requiring it, but it's different because I'm not saying, hey, you got to make so many parent calls every week, right? Totally. That's a problem. I've that's, had that that's not going to yeah. sustain.
2: And some of us do it and some of us right, don't. Then. Right.
1: So, but if I brought you on in and say, hey, I need your help, I need a favor, here's what I'd like to do. We've got a two hour PD after this afternoon, but I'd like to take one hour of that and I would like you to go everybody to go back and make two calls where you actually have a conversation with a parent and then I'd like to come back and talk about those experiences and when other people share those experiences it begins to build a different type of culture saying wow well maybe there is a benefit of that maybe I should do that and then I'll quickly find out with those who struggle well then they just need more support they need something more it's how do we differentiate that no different than we expect teachers to differentiate for kids in the classroom it's still learning and we have to teach them
2: All right, I'm going to ask a double whammy since we're on 40 minutes already. Um, So I have two kind of questions, and I I think they'll fit together. But one of the things that you talk about is how we have a fundamental responsibility to challenge our colleagues when they speak negatively about students. And I imagine about parents, about community, and just as we've been talking about, it's the undercurrent. It bleeds into a lot of conversations. Um, And I imagine that that's something that we could put on if we reflected about it, like our resume of failures, which you also advocate Mm -hmm. for in the book. So how do we uh, work with our colleagues in a way that doesn't put them on the defensive and feel like... we're judging them? Um, and then also, what value have you seen in writing those things down and talking about how uh, we, have, we can improve on those failures our, ourselves?
1: Yeah, the first one's a little complicated. It's, it's, it's actually, you know, I don't try to make these things easy, right? Because it's not my first rodeo and I understand how difficult these things can be. So the first thing is, I'll say this, when it comes to gossip in an organization, I believe that that is a leader's responsibility to address. I really do. I think it's really difficult for me to say, Ben, well, you should be talking to Becky about that, right? That's, it's that's just a a lot to ask for. Right. So to me, if building leaders are not managing those conversations and addressing that gossip or that negativity, that's going to create all sorts of issues in your culture. Right. And so what we need to do is say for me, it's like so if Ben comes to me to gossip about somebody. Right. That could happen. That happens. He wants to come gossip about you saying, hey, Becky's doing this. Becky's doing that. Right. I need to have the skills how to manage that conversation appropriately, but at the same time, not hurting my culture because I need to make sure he still trusts me after that conversation. So first of all, I can't be participating in the gossip with him, saying, oh, I know, you have to understand, Becky's just a little negative. No, can't be saying that to him, right? I can't be saying, hey, Ben, you know, I appreciate that, but you know what? Just ignore it. It'll go away, right? I can't say, hey, Ben, well, you need to figure that out. Work with Becky. You know, you need to, that. she's your colleague. You're the one working with her all day. Tell her what you, you know, tell her to knock it off. These are the things that building leaders are doing where I should be saying this. Hey, Ben, first of all, thank you so much for coming to me. And I appreciate the fact that you felt you could share that with me okay. in confidence. And I want you to know that will stay right here in this room. OK, so let's talk to this a little bit. OK, the first thing I'm going to say to you is remember, it's my experience as most people don't want to be that way. OK, And I'll be honest. I've been that way. You've probably been that way. So we have to remember that that Becky's probably, for whatever reason right now, I don't know why she's behaving the way she's behaving based on what you're sharing with me, but here's what I will say to you, we gotta figure out why, okay? Now that's not your responsibility, that's my responsibility, but I do need your help. So let me ask you this, what's first of all, why are you sharing this with me and what do you want me to do with that information, huh. okay? So he's going to respond. He might say, Jimmy, nothing. I just want to let you know. Thank you. I appreciate that. Again, I'll keep this in confidence. But let me circle back and see if I can figure out a way to manage this without bringing you into it because I don't want to create issues for you. He's going to appreciate that. He might say, Jimmy, I, I want you to do something about it. Okay. So, Ben, let's talk about that. Okay. Because if I do something about it, I want to make sure I protect you in that. So then I need to go experience that for myself so I can address it from my experience, not your experience. All right. So that's going to maybe take a little bit of time but I'll make sure I communicate to you and you tell me if you begin to see a difference in that, okay? But that's my job to manage that. So the idea is Ben might say to me, Jimmy, I don't care, you can tell her. I don't care if she does know that I told you. Okay, I just want to make sure. But even so, I'll still do it in a way that protects you. I'm not going to go gossip to her that you're doing this, right? So we've had that conversation. I go to Becky, and say, Becky, listen, first of all, how you doing? Things going okay? Hey, just want to check on you and see how things are going, right? So again, I'm not even, I don't need to solve this problem today. That's the thing I tell people. Based on what you share with me, I might let it go in that moment, right? Yeah. I might. Or I might address it. If you give me something to go off and say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just really frustrated right now. Okay, so talk to me about that. What's, what's got you frustrated? So the more I learn about you, right, the more you might eventually lead me to the road is that frustration. I might say, so let me ask you, that. is that frustration coming out in any type of ways that you're worried about? Like, are you worried like you're, sh- like that, is that frustration coming out in public? Are you sharing that? And you might say, well, yeah, the other day I shared it in front of my colleagues. And I'd say, okay, so talk to me about that. How did you feel about that? Well, I felt badly. Okay. So let me ask you this so are you worried about that like are you what, what's your concern now well i'm worried about people are going to view me okay so let's talk about that how can you fix that right well i don't know maybe i guess like well let's talk about that and so my idea is i'm always asking questions and i'm trying to coach i'm not mm-hmm. judging but you might be the reverse opposite you might say no i don't know what you're talking about i'm yeah. perfectly fine right that's the skill that most of us don't have And so the more we begin to practice that, in other words, we're trying to figure out why is Becky behaving that way, right? She doesn't want to be that way. You just landed there. So something's going on. Something's triggered that, right? You're frustrated. You're mad. You're tired of working with Colin or whatever happens to be the case. So the idea is I'm trying to show people that it's not Ben's responsibility to deal with your gossip, Becky. Yeah. That's my responsibility, right? So when I see it, I need to address it. If I'm seeing a collaborative meeting I see somebody's tone or behavior, I need to circle back later and say, hey, you doing okay? Because today I'm just a little worried about you. You seemed a little off today. Now, I don't know if you remember. I don't even know if you noticed it, but you just seemed a little aggressive in your tone today. What's going on, right? Yeah, I know, right? So it's I address it right there. I don't need to you know i don't need to punish them or i don't need to write them up or give them a warning i just i need to be genuine sincere like what's going on i'm worried about you that's right so those are some things i think about and then when it comes to failure i think again you know think about them not as failures but think about them as experiences that's all they are we all have those experiences i talk about live your excellence i don't talk about live your perfection and the reality is this if we can begin when we if we just own it Right. If we apologize, if we ask for forgiveness, and more importantly, we also need to forgive those who have wronged us. And I think that's probably the hardest thing sometimes to do is let go when you feel someone's played a gotcha game with you. But that's, you know, I tell people all the time, don't let people live rep-free in your head, right? You're responsible for your own morale. Don't let people do that to you. Love that, man. I
0: think a lot of times when I fall into the gossip trap, it's because I want people to still trust me and like me. And the way you handled that is like, Hey, thank you so much for sharing like that. I just want you to
1: follow me around and tell me how to live. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can live rent-free well, in my life. The head. thing is, a lot of us stay silent. <laughs> yeah.
1: A lot of us don't say anything. Yeah. Because, you don't, because here's why. I'm not sure what to say. Two, I don't agree with you. Yeah. Three, I don't want to become the next victim. Yep. Totally. Right? Yeah, totally. So now yeah. I'm like, but when I, when you walk away without saying, you know what you think? You think I actually agree with you. Yep. You take my silence as, oh, Yeah. And now that person goes, well, I, every, everybody talked talk to, yep. I'm Principal's just telling you. with me, yeah, That's yeah. what everybody thinks right yep. now. Really, who's everybody? Because their yeah. feeling is you actually agree with them. So, you know, I talk about how, then how do you handle that as a colleague peer-to-peer? And I do think there are ways to do that again, right? If you can model that. I mean, imagine if Becky came to you, you're a peer. You could say to Becky, hey, Becky, first of all, thank you for sharing that yeah. with me. Again, it's the same thing. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that with me in confidence. Yeah. I'm not going to share that with anybody else because you're trying to tell her right now, I'm not going to do that. Yep. So you say, I appreciate that, but you understand this conversation will stay in confidence. It makes me feel good that you believe you can trust me. Mm-hmm. Hey, but let me ask you a question. Does Colin know you feel that way mm-hmm. about him? And of course she's going to say no, but she's not used to that, right? Mm-hmm. Now watch, put her back on the defensive. You could say something like this. Well, I have to tell you my experience with Colin. I don't, I'm not seeing that. Yeah. I'm not, cause you're defending him and she doesn't like that. Yeah, yeah. Right now it's a softer way. Cause you, you won't necessarily become the next victim, but what happened is she'll get okay, quit coming to you to gossip yeah. because you're not giving her what she wants right but the idea is we have to defend the people in the organization by just saying what, well, that's not my, ex- my experience in fact let's be honest Becky I've had people gossip about me I'm sure people gossip about you and I know this people can't fix what they don't know so mm-hmm. honestly I'd go talk to Colin about that and after you do that let me know how it goes and people I just walk away it. and get away from it yep. because they're going to be sitting there going oh my god right they're not used to that And so I think there's a, we can begin, we can control a little bit of that ourselves because some people, why do, why do people always come and gossip to you? You should be asking yourself, I don't know. Why do they, you should ask yourself why? Because that means you're giving them a platform to gossip. Either you're staying silent or your verbal body language is kind of them the impression that you agree with them. But if you did that, I'm promise you that'll end quickly. Totally.
2: What about when they talk about students Mm -hmm. negatively? Yeah. Same thing.
1: Yeah, more maybe a little bit different, just in the sense of again when they talk about students, just say, hey, everything going, What's going on with there?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did something to happen to Stephen?
1: Yeah. yeah. What can I do to help? Yeah. Talk to me a little bit. That no, I know what you mean. I've I've seen a little bit of that behavior you know, again, I'm just not going to agree with you on it. Right. Yeah. But I'm not going to say, you know what, we should, we don't talk about kids that way around here. Yeah. Well, they're just going to turn off from yeah. me and they're going to go do it somewhere else anyway. Right. So again, most people didn't want to be, there. they had an experience that led them there. Yeah. Hey, everything okay. Yeah. Talk to me. No, I know. I, I, I've had Stephen. I know he can be frustrated, but Hey, you know what? Here's a couple things I learned, you know, you know, that I've just observed or whatever. So in other yeah. words, I'm just, I'm just not going to give into that gossip. Right. Yeah. But I also don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to push you away and have you walk away i actually believe i want to bring you back i want to inspire you back to say no they're not necessarily that way that's right
0: so you just sitting here first off you're probably even better in person than you are at writing like i'm just pumped up talking so you're incredible <laughs> uh you just like i'm moves. just gonna take better around
1: the country myself. yeah absolutely
0: uh you just ooze belief and optimism, and it's contagious. I know. For uh, some
1: people, it's exhausting, though. No, Trust I, me. <laughs> it's incredible. So,
0: what? How did you get that? And then, like, how have you used optimism and belief, um, kind of as a, a leadership? style? Because
1: I wasn't always that way, Ben, and I found myself on the end of the couch, and I never want to go back to that couch again. And I know I created that. It's that yeah. simple. At some point, you just decide I don't want to live my life that way anymore. Right? That's why I say, you know, the live your excellence is not—it's not perfection. I mean, I have my issues, just like everybody else. But the difference is if you live your life in mantras, you know, I talk, you know, we talk about this with our kids all the time is you have to own that inside your head. Most of we create most of our own issues. Right. But if you can quickly believe, you know, I live my life through mantras because it causes me to pause and just slow down and realize that things are never as bad as we think they are. But they're also never as good as we think they are either. That would create, give you a little bit of humility. Right. Because this all could end tomorrow. So enjoy it every day. Be grateful for what you have count your blessings because we all have an abundance of blessings it's all here right that's what i tell people right you know i had a colleague who used to always say you know how's that working for you right because the idea was well you can keep complaining, but how's that working for you and some people like to play the victim mentality again but that's to me they don't have the skills right because if they had the skills they wouldn't do that who wants to feel miserable every day so i just believe that the day will be whatever i want it, want it to be it's my choice right Um, Obviously, I've gotten really good at flipping it around. I very rarely, very rarely um, get to a low point anymore in my life because I don't... Again, everybody dips throughout the day. We all do that, right? There's little ebbs and flows of the day. But what I don't do anymore is I don't do this. I don't free fall. And I certainly don't get stuck there. I don't go two or three weeks going, God, I don't know what's wrong. I've just been in a rut the last three weeks. Yeah, that's not good, right? Because imagine all the damage you've kind of done for those three weeks. So it's normal to dip, but um, I just get myself out of it and again how do I do that I engage people uh, because he'll fill me right back up and that's me so remember I think we're all falling to average every day that's the hard part I mean I do say the world's full of average it is if you pay close attention everywhere you go watch how people interact the service industry watch how people treat one another I'm going to an airport today people will be losing their minds I Mm -hmm. guarantee you that because of the weather because of cancellations and if I sit back and observe that it's interesting I see all the undercurrents they don't see it right and it's, what I've learned from that is, you know what people are doing the best they can. Yeah. You know, you really think they want to be yelled at all day today? You think they really want the snow and cancel these flights? Yeah, that's exactly what they wanted yeah. for you, right? Yeah. And so it's just to flip it around and, and, and I know. But for some people, they don't like that, right? I mean, you have people in your organizations that, there are people who walk in the organization every day happy and loving the work they do, and other people look at you and go, why is she always so happy, Whoa. right? Can you see it? Yep. That's what happens, right? Same thing but on Twitter. But that's, yeah. that's why I say, don't let people take away your excellence. Yeah. You know, don't let people take away your excellence, right? And we are going to screw it up. So when we do, guess what? Well, my personal excellence starts over again, right? Right now, yeah. I'm not perfect, yeah. but okay. I'm going to I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make it right, and I'm going to just go try to be better. It's all I can do.
2: Yeah. You're amazing. Maybe
0: we'll end on uh, how can listeners where can listeners go to learn from and with you?
1: Uh, well, uh, anytime people want to reach out, you know, I'd love to connect with people. So obviously, through social media is the easiest way. Uh, so you can to start with a website, JimmyCassis.com. Uh, my Twitter handle, uh, my Instagram handle, and my Voxer handle are all the same, Ooh, Casas underscore Jimmy. So those are easy ways to reach out. Um, and obviously through the website, there's emails on there they can connect. And so for hell there's even a phone number on there you can call if you want. So. Cool. Cool.
0: Well, thank you so much. You are literally the best. Yeah, thank that was you, really Ben. Fine. Thank you, Becky. Thank, thank, you, thank you, you so Colin. much, man. You
1: guys are awesome. I appreciate you guys. Thank you.
2: Thank you, you Colin.
0: All right, let's close up shop. Becky, what'd you learn?
2: Man, I was really just enamored with the way he spoke so clearly and with such experience about vulnerability and really talking to people, not as gotcha, but as as humans like we are. We all make mistakes. We None of us want to be negative people, um, but we all find ourselves falling into those traps. So, um, you know, how can we just be more careful about that and how we can keep each other accountable? I thought that was just awesome. He was so much fun to talk to.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, he was incredible. I really recommend all listeners. Check out his book. We'll link to all that in the show notes. And for the very first time ever, we have also videotaped this. So if you want to see us in 4K with Jimmy Casas, check out our YouTube channel, which will also be linked here. Uh, And as always,
2: have a great generic time of day.